Good morning, church family. Welcome to 2021. Are you guys excited? Well, uh, I'm excited too. I, I love this verse. We've, we've shared this verse quite a few times, but I think it's just a really, really good reminder. And for us to get our heads right, to get our hearts right, it says in Isaiah 43, 18, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. The question is, will we be able to see what he's doing? And I think that that's what this year and uh, it's certainly what this morning needs to be about. And it's what prayer and fasting for us as a church is about is can we get to the place where whatever God is doing, whatever he wants to do, that we can see it. Uh, I, I do think that I, for me included, a lot of us, we may need to just realign our hearts a little bit. It says this in Micah 6, 8, and what does the Lord require of you? So this is important, like if you wanna know, this is what God requires of you, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I just wanna pray for a second. Lord, we know what you require of us. We, we wanna act justly, we wanna love your mercy, we wanna walk humbly with you. Lord, we recognize that we have way too much pride. We forget your justice, we forget your mercy, we forget to trust you. I pray that you help us, Lord, during this fast, in our prayer, in the word, however you wanna speak to us, Lord. We wanna not just know that you are doing something new, we wanna be a part of it. We wanna see it. So speak to our hearts this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. The start to a new year, I think for a lot of us, that, that can be a time where you get to hit a reset button. And I think that that's important because Lord knows we need a reset after 2020. I think it's though a chance for you to pray like you've always had faith. I think it's a chance for you to love like you've never been hurt before. I think it's a chance for you to dream like you've never failed. And I think it's a time to stand like you've never fallen. I wanna talk to you about prayer and fasting, but I think we've gotta potentially understand what's most important to us first. It says in Hebrews 12, 12, so take a new grip, everybody say new grip, with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Man, anybody have some weak knees up in here? I know I do, good Lord. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. I think what prayer and fasting does is it brings clarity to what you should be holding onto and, and what you should let go. So I want you to turn to someone and say, you need to get a grip. Turn to somebody and say, get a grip. Because I think that in, in our lives, there are things that we need to grip tighter, things that we need to hold looser, and things that we should just let go of altogether. Uh, I will say one good thing about 2020 is there's a really good chance that for the foreseeable future, people will not be holding hands in church for a while. All the germaphobes and introverts, there's some good that has come out of this. I don't know if you guys grew up in churches where they had the pastor had you hold hands a lot. 
Um, I don't do it a lot because I'm not a big fan of it because I understand how this moment affects some of us. Uh, but, but there is nothing, like every time, like if you grew up in a church where the pastor would have you hold hands, like every germaphobe and introvert, that's when you start praying that the rapture would happen immediately. Like, God, just come and take us away from this place because, because you know what happens. There's the sweaty hands. There's the squeezers. It's like the whole time, it's like, 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 like if the pastor prays something that he feels, they feel like, this applies to you. You need to get this. They're doing the squeeze, you know, heaving condemnation on you. And so the germaphobes and introverts are like, God, when is this pastor going to stop praying? <laughs> Just praying for it to be over at any given moment. <laughs> and then the pastor's like, and it's in your name that we pray. Therefore, oh God, <laughs> they just keep on going. In sports, your grip is actually really important. How you grip a baseball, tennis racket, a golf club, all those things. Just ask Tom Brady how important a good grip is. Whoa. But today I want to talk to you about how to get a grip, um, but to do it without cheating. So here's some, here's some things. Here's some things to hold tightly to your quiet time with God. I think fasting will show you the value of this if you get into this. This has always been our goal for you as your church is that you would hold tightly to your time with the Lord. And I think as you fast, as you pray, the Lord will remind you that no matter how crazy things get around our world, our country, anything else, this has to remain the most important thing. And I would say for you, no matter how crazy it gets around your home, I would say if you love your kids, you love your spouse, let them see your priority in the quiet. Your time with the Lord including prayer, and this is just you talking with God. Look, I, I, we overcomplicate this. I just would say that Cody and I would not have a good marriage if we didn't communicate, if I never talked with her. I'd also say we wouldn't have a good marriage if I did all the talking. She would not have that. <laughs> and I think sometimes we just overcomplicate communication with God too. God just wants dialogue with you. He just wants you to communicate with him. I would also suggest that you start adding maybe some worship to your quiet time. Um, some of you, you're great at this. You know, you may jam out in your car to some worship music. But I say, I'd say more specifically around being really focused and intentional about understanding who you're worshiping, why he's worthy of your worship. So I'll give you a few artists that I would recommend if you like some good worship. Brooke Frazier, Hezekiah Walker, Maverick City, Chris McClarney, Austin Stone, City of Light. Those are some great worship groups that are out right now. And this is what I would encourage you to do, and a lot of us have forgot to do this. Worship until joy hits your heart. Worship until joy, not 
happiness. Because happiness is based on situation and circumstance. And you're not always going to feel like worshiping if happiness is the goal. But if you understand that there is a supernatural joy and peace that comes in a place of worship, that is the goal. And so you worship until joy hits your heart. And some of you need to get your joy back. You're like those people in some of the churches I grew up and they'd sing that song. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And everybody else is like, where? It's down in my heart. Where? It's deep down in the depths where no one can see it of my heart. I think this is a great reminder. Satan was a fallen angel that was in charge of worship. God created us to take his job, to worship him. So add some worship in. And I think the word, obviously, is incredibly important. So if you've been doing the life of Christ with us, uh, I'd encourage some of you to circle back up on those. All those videos are there. All those teachings are there. They're available. But don't just be in the word. Be in the word with Jesus. Walk with him. It says in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Guys, that's strong. Look, nothing. <laughs> so you may think you're doing something, but if you're, if you're not walking with him, you're not doing anything that's eternal. If you do not remain in me, then you are a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into a fire and burned. Look, when I begin to slip, especially around the word, uh, if it goes a couple of days, I begin to wither. It changes how I lead. It changes how I preach. It changes how I love Cody and others. Every single year, I say, this year I'm gonna be in the word every day. Do you know how many times I've done that? Never. I miss days. But I never quit. I never give up. I just get back into it. I get back into it. The tendency could be, man, I just want to see them check the marks next to my reading plan. That's not walking with Jesus through the word. But the check marks sure do feel good. I will say that. But when I do mess up, I just get another grip. Just get another grip. There's a story about a man named Henry Dempsey, and he was a commuter pilot, co-pilot, uh, up around the Seattle area. And he and his pilot were flying their plane back from dropping some folks off, and he heard a noise in the back of the plane. So he went back to check it out, and one of the doors had not closed all the way. And so when he went to try to close it all the way, it just popped open, and he started to fall out, like the air pressure tried to suck him out of the plane, and he grabbed a hold of this railing that was right next to the door. And of course, the pilot realized what was happening quickly and made an emergency landing, but it took a few minutes for that to happen. 
And they slowed the plane down, but he's still going over 100 miles an hour. And so they, when they landed, I mean, he, this guy was hanging out of the plane so close he almost hit the ground when they landed. But when the emergency crews came over to the plane, they had to pry his hands away from this handle because of how tightly he knew he had to hold on to this. This is my prayer for you when it comes to your time with the Lord. Would you grip it like your life depends on it? Because it does. It does. And if you get off track, just re-grip. Just get back in there and re-grip. I think there's some things that we need to hold lightly. You know, I, I, this last year I started playing a little more golf because Cody insisted that I needed a hobby to get out of the house. And so I started playing a little more golf. And uh and, and then I took a, a golf lesson, and it didn't help me that much. Thank you, Seth, for bringing out my illustrated sermon equipment. It's all right. He's a cowboy, not a golfer. <laughs> I asked him if he could carry out my golf clothes. He's like, yeah, I've never done that before, but I'm sure there's a strap or something. <laughs> I was like, I love that dude. So one of the things that as I was taking this golf lesson, the guy that was giving me the lesson, he said, Lighten up your grip. You are holding onto that club like it is the last club you will ever own in your life. And I didn't realize I was doing that. But then he told me, and it's especially important when it comes to putting. You can't hold your putter too tightly. And, and that's hard for me because it doesn't make me feel like I'm going to do well if I'm not holding on tightly. Like, I feel like, no, I've, some of my strength has to be involved in this or this, this isn't going to go well. Like, with all my golf clubs, like, it's like, that is how I'm going to hit this really well, really far. Just grip it as hard as I can and swing as hard as I can. That does not work. And what he said is, if you grip it too tightly, then the golf club, the putter, can't operate the way it was designed to operate. Another way to say it is, if you grip it too tightly, you will forget the purpose it was designed for. And I think some of us are gripping way too tightly to some things in our lives. And as a result, we have forgotten or we can no longer see the purpose that God created them for. Some of us are gripping way too tightly to our future and we cannot see God's purpose in our own future because we are controlling our future. Some of us are holding way too tightly to some relationships in our life and we cannot see or hear God working and moving and speaking in those relationships. Some of us are holding way too tightly to our agenda, our schedule and our plan and God cannot work his purpose in our schedule and our plan because we are holding too tightly to it. And some of us are holding way too tightly to our possessions and to our money to the point that we cannot see the purpose of why God gave them to us to start with. John 1.23 says this, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. We did a series a long time ago about just making a way, giving some space for God to, to work and move. 
And so there's just some things that, that you're gripping so tightly, honestly, you are going to kill them. <laughs> you, you, you need to hold some things like you're holding a baby bird. Not like my daughter Grayson would hold a baby bird, but like a person would hold a baby bird that is not trying to kill it. We're trying to teach our kids that. We have a puppy. The puppy clearly loves some of the kids more than others. And the kids are confused about this. I don't understand. I just want to hold her. And we're like, we know. And she knows. And she is scared because you hold too tightly. Some of us are holding way too tightly to things that will not last. Jeff Bezos. Many of you have given him money. How many of you have used Amazon this last month? Anybody in the house? If you're smart, you did. You just push a button and it brings it to your house. It's pretty awesome. He is, he's the wealthiest man on the planet now. But guess what? Jeff will take nothing with him out of this world. Nothing. First Timothy 6, 7. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. When the children of Israel were in the desert, God was their faithful provider. He took care of them. He was the one. And they had to depend on him. And one of the ways that the Lord taught them this is he provided manna. And so what happened, it was like these like, like bread flakes that would come and land on the ground. And, and in the dew of the morning, it would create like a dough. And so they would go out and they would collect this up. But God told them, you need to only collect what you need for that day. You need to only collect what you need. I will provide, but you, you don't try to provide for yourself, but trust me. But what happened is if they did try to gather more manna than what they needed, then it would rot. And I believe that God put a supernatural stank on it just to teach him like, no, I told you, Trust me, I told you I will provide. I will make a way. If you won't, you're gonna stank. And I think some of us, because we have held so tightly to things that are so temporary, we have rot and stink in our lives. Fasting can help us with this. And then there's some things we just need to let go of completely. Let go of completely, like regrets. Because mistakes can metastasize into cynicism. And the more cynical you are, the less faithful you'll be. Because I, it's kind of like this. Regrets, I find, they're certainly like a cancer to vision. It's very difficult for you to have clear vision for your life when you're looking backwards when you're thinking about what's behind you. Like negative relationships, let it go. One of the things Pastor Rick teaches us, and I, would, I, I teach other people too, is everyone has fans and critics. Everyone has fans and critics. But here's the thing, I don't care how hard you work, what you do, how hard you try, some people will not like the job you do. Some people won't like what you do. 
You are not what you do. You are what God says you are. And you cannot listen to your fans or your critics because they're always going to be about the temporary. Bad habits. Some of us have some bad habits we need to get rid of. In Genesis 4, 6, it says this, Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you will, be, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door, desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Some bad habits, like drinking too much. How do you know if you drank too much? Well, if you can't remember the last hour before you went to sleep, it probably got a little too crazy. How many of you that's ever happened to you in your lifetime that that's happened to you? Anybody, anybody in the house? Now we know who all the Methodists and Episcopalians are in the house. The Baptists have done it. They just won't admit it, but that's okay. Some other bad habits. Eating too much. Gambling. Cursing too much. Hating. Looking at pornography. This is why we fast. The reason why we fast is because stuff creeps in. During a fast, our, our flesh is crying out for things. Our feelings will be crying out for a Popeye's chicken sandwich, but your soul is crying out for God. But it's a war. But your bad habits is hurting your home and the very people you love. But imagine what your home and what your life and relationships would look like if you were 100% free. One of my favorite stories from fasting. Back at the beginning of our church, we used to do a 21-day fast every year. So you guys have a lightweight now. It's fasting light. Uh, but but we, would, we, we would ask people to give up stuff for 21 days. And, and Pastor Rick had this, this young man come up to him at the end, the end of the fasting. He came up and he said, Pastor Rick, I just want to let you know uh, that I gave up smoking pot. I've been fasting smoking pot for 21 days. And Pastor Rick is like, that is amazing. And then the young man said, I'm so glad that's over. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I might have missed the point. What is fasting? It is restraining from something we want for a spiritual purpose. Fasting is an invitation, not a requirement. That's the first thing. You don't have to fast. God won't make you do it. God won't punish you if you don't do it. It's not a sin if you don't fast. You won't go to hell if you don't fast. But there are some things in your life that will not change without fasting. And Jesus said that to his disciples. His disciples are trying to cast demons out of this guy and comes back. He's like, hey, we're using all the authority, using all the right names. And Jesus said, yeah, this is the kind of spirit that will only come out through prayer and fasting. Not because the spirit didn't understand the authority. It's because the people that were trying to cast out the demons didn't have the authority because they had some issues that they needed to deal with and prayer and fasting was the only thing that was gonna help them get rid of it. So it's the same for us because you can have the best CPA, you can have the best think tank, the best legal advice, the best financial advisor, dream team. And with all those things, nothing will change. Some things are not done in the natural the Bible says we don't fight against flesh and blood. We're gonna need something supernatural to help us. 
Fasting doesn't move God. It just moves you closer to God. And historically speaking, Christians have practiced the discipline of fasting. Even in our nation, there was a time. Did you know during the Civil War that Abraham Lincoln called for a national fast three different times? And the nation did it. Man, to go back to those times. Jesus knew a lot about fasting. He understood. In John 4, 34, he says, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. There's some things more important than eating a meal. Fasting is for the weak, not the strong. This is important. Most of us think that we're not strong enough to fast. We're not holy enough. We're not, we're not Pastor James. But most of the time, the people that fasted in the Bible were weak and needed to get stronger in God, and that's why they fasted. It wasn't out of their strength that they fasted. It was out of their weakness that they fasted. In 2 Corinthians 12, 10, it says this, For when I am weak, then I'm strong. Fasting is for people that are desperate for God. For those that are desperate for more of his presence, fasting is for those whose kids are slipping into the dark. Fasting is for those that are in a scary place, a lonely place. Fasting is for people that need a miracle in their thoughts, in their body. Fasting is for people that need a miracle in their marriage. Fasting is for people that have questions and need answers, a new job. Fasting is not for the strong, it's for those who want to be stronger. Fasting is not a religious decision, but a relational decision. It's not a religious duty, and it's not about looking religious. This is what Jesus said to the religious community regarding it. Matthew 6, 16. And when you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. But I tell you the truth, that is the only reward that they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. Translation, don't go around telling everybody that you're fasting. Like don't, don't wear it. Hey man, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm good, I'm just fasting for Jesus why I'm so tired, but holy looking, you know? It's what happens when I fast. But I get the temptation. Look, I remember when I did an extended fast, and I wanted to tell everybody. I still do. I just did. I'm helpless. You get the point. Fasting's not a diet. It's not about losing weight. can be an awesome byproduct, but it's not the main idea. I know that intermittent fasting is kind of in right now. Even Hollywood is fasting, but they are not fasting for the Lord. I'm pretty convinced of that. We don't mind looking better or feeling better, but what we really want is the Lord. Fasting is not a casual approach to God. I love our church. I love how it feels warm and somewhat comfortable. When you come to church, I like that we have a, relatively casual atmosphere at our church. But to be completely clear, we do not have a casual love for God. We're serious about that. And I think it's important that we understand that we have a holy God. 
that deserves our honor and our respect and, and that we take it seriously. In Joel 1.14, it says, Declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, summon the elders and all who live in the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. That is more of the posture of our hearts during this time. Fasting is for a breakthrough. People in the Bible, so many times the reason why they fast is because they needed God to, to do something. A lot of times, a major victory came right after fasting. Miracles. Moses fasted before receiving the Ten Commandments. The Israelites fasted before lots of miraculous victories in battle. Daniel fasted before he received guidance from God. Nehemiah fasted before rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. Jesus fasted to have victory over temptation. Paul fasted and prayed before he ever started his ministry. Isaiah 58, 6 says this. Is not this the kind of fasting that I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? As your church, we're believing for you for breakthrough. That as you pray and as you fast, God's gonna move, shake, release things in your life. Ezra 8.23 says, so we fasted and petitioned our God about this and he answered our prayers. So things to get you ready. I think it's important you set your objective. Like, why are you fasting? You may wanna write these down, it might help you. What do you want from this time? And I would encourage you to write that down. In Habakkuk, it says that you should write down the things that God tells you and make it plain. So if you're making goals, uh, I would set realistic goals, but just make them clear, make them plain. And then make your commitment, make your commitment. For our church, this time starts today. We're gonna start praying. We'll give you some more details here in a little bit. I would encourage you, start fasting now. We are gonna have a more official time starting next week. The actual fast will start around the 10th, but there's some things that you can start fasting even now. So decide how you're gonna participate. Are you gonna be fasting with food? A lot of people are gonna shut down different types of media like TV, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Netflix, Disney Plus, video games. <laughs> there's, the list is long, but there's some things that maybe we could get rid of for a little bit to get more of him. There's different types of fasting. I wanna give you just a couple of the popular ones that we do around our church. The Daniel fast, which is only fruits, vegetables, herbs, and nuts. Not all herbs, just wanna clarify on that. This is not Colorado. There's liquid fast, no food, only juices or shakes. Uh, yes, you can blend a steak, but it doesn't taste very good. I heard from someone one time. Uh, sometimes it's just limiting the amount of meals that you have, like one meal a day, or just having uh, two meals a day, fasting one meal. A Jewish fast is one meal in the evening, uh, which is a pretty challenging fast because your metabolism never shuts down. You're just constantly hungry. It's pretty fun. Prepare yourself and your home. Go through your house and throw away temptation. 
go to, your, go to the grocery store and, and be intentional about buying, buying the things that you need. Plan what you're going to do instead of eating. This is so important. Because it's not just getting rid of something, it's getting rid of something so you have more margin to do what you need to do. And that is get with God. Spend time with him. Now, this doesn't always have to be formal. I would say there's a lot of times when I'm fasting when I'm just like, I want to go eat a burger. But then I remember, I'm not eating burgers because I love Jesus. And, and I will just take that time and just say, God, yeah. You're what I want way more. I'm just telling you, the presence of God, his grace, his blessing, his favor, his correction is the best thing you will ever experience. I believe that 2021 is going to be different. I'm not convinced that means less mask. Uh, I'm not convinced it means less craziness in any way, shape, or form. But I am completely convinced that it can be different in our lives and how we see with his eyes. See his kingdom. This is the way that we prepare our hearts. In Matthew 6, it says this, but seek first his kingdom, first his kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So God knows you have some desires, some dreams, some goals, some things that you want. And honestly, God wants to give you good gifts. But this helps you align your heart and your mind with his heart and mind so that when he gives you good gifts, it actually is the gifts that help build his kingdom. And it is the thing that fulfills you also. It's a great place to be. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. I wanna just make sure that I give an opportunity for everyone in this room to have a relationship with Jesus. I do encourage and I hope that everyone takes this time seriously, commits themselves to fasting something. Just get with God. He'll, he'll give you direction and then just be obedient. But there may be some people in here that this idea of fasting is not connecting with you. And the reason why it's not connecting with you is because you don't have a relationship with God. Well, that makes sense. If I didn't have a relationship with God, I would never fast <laughs> because I wouldn't see the need, the value. But I also know that if there's someone that's feeling that way, you're also feeling a drawing from God and that he desperately wants to have a relationship with you. And so I just wanna give you an opportunity if you're away from him, if you need to come back to him, 
There's no more important thing that you can start a new year and a new season than in a new relationship with your heavenly father. So if you're here and you know that you need that, I would love to pray with you. And I'm gonna ask you just to be bold enough to admit it. I'm not gonna embarrass you, but I believe sometimes if we can just make a decision of our own free will that we're gonna be weak, we're gonna just admit that we need something. That's when God's grace can hit us and help us so much. And the way I'm gonna ask you to admit it is just by putting your hand up. If that's you, if you're away from nobody's looking around, would you just lift your hand? And as soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Just saying, that's me. I'm away from Jesus. I need a relationship with him. I want to start this year committing my life to Jesus with all that I am. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Okay. Man. You know, I love when I see a lot of hands in a service. I, I won't say that there's not a part of me in my flesh. It makes me feel a little good. But you know what's so powerful is when there's one hand. I think that just speaks so much to the value of a soul. I think it speaks so much to God's heart and his value for that one person. And I just want you to know, because you know who you are, that if it was just to you, that Jesus would have paid the price just for you. That's how much he loves you. So I would encourage you, as soon as you can, tell somebody you made this decision. I don't know your whole story. I don't know if this is a rededication or if this is the first time that you've ever made this decision, but tell somebody. And as soon as you can, go public with this decision through water baptism. That's, that's the public declaration of this decision. But right there in your chair, let's just talk to Jesus and just say this, say, here's my life. And I know that I've made a lot of mistakes I know that I've sinned and I know that I can't save myself, but I believe that you came, Jesus, and you died for me because you loved me. You had a plan. You died for my sin and I asked for your forgiveness for my sin. But I also believe that you rose from the grave, defeating my sin and defeating death. And so because of that, not only have you forgiven me of my sin, but you've given me a purpose. And so right now I commit to give my life to you to submit to you as my Lord. I wanna walk out the purpose that you have for me. Help me to see that purpose through your word, through just how you speak to me in times of prayer and worship and, and also how you, you help me and speak to me through the body of Christ. Thank you for giving me this life. Father, thank you for a reset. We, you don't live inside of time and space, so you're certainly not confined by a calendar. But it helps us sometimes just to look at it that way. But I, I pray that even though we're looking at that in a natural standpoint, God, we are begging and pleading for a supernatural move. We need it. We need it. Help us, God. We commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen.